Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to talk about leading teams remotely and, and it's pertinent at the moment because we are still, as we record this, in the midst of the lockdown for coronavirus, COVID-19. But it's also, I think, important for us to understand it regardless of the situation because we do have the opportunity to have remote teams without us being forced to have remote teams. So let's look at leading remote teams, not managing so much, but leading remote teams. And we're going to talk about team resilience particularly. I think we forget how often we are already doing this leading remotely. I think many organisations are either within one state, they might be regionally based offices, they might have teams working in different parts. It can be interstate, it can be global, etc. So for some people it is new, but for others it isn't. In relation to team resilience, okay, so we're facing something very, very different and we're facing something that we're all facing at the same time. However, your team, you would find they have managed challenges before and those challenges would have highlighted to you as the leader and to team member how resilient they are. I think it's time to go back in memory banks and remember those examples of resilience. For example, when you had to shut an office down or open a new office, what did you have to deal with? You had to deal with maybe making people redundant, maybe relocating them, maybe about hiring new people. Whatever you find, there will always, always be team resilience examples you can draw on and learn from them. It's not an identical situation, but you can compliment and remind people, remember when this looked really bad and when we did that? Yes, it wasn't a walk in the park. Yes, we had some good news in it and some not so good. But look how when we thought this was never going to happen or we're not able to do this, and then we did it. It was all driven by need and circumstances. So you can think from your own environment. I think about the time when we, I'm going to give an example from way from the past because both of us lived through it. And that is when we had to relocate people who worked in the CBD forever and ever and were long-time employees and we had to relocate them to a suburb and to a suburb for some who had to have extra trains, etc. What did we do and how did it end up? There's many stories within that that you could draw on. For other people, it might be about more recent, the GFC, maybe what they faced there and how they had to cut and how they had to maybe reduce salary, freeze bonuses, whatever it is. There was a lot of examples of resilience. Another one, which again from the old archives, is when we used to work in an organisation called Housing and Construction, and we sent people to Antarctica. Now, the effort we put into preparing those people mentally and physically and their families before we relocated them for a period of time. The big thing is too, if you don't have any examples you can relate to, there is many, many examples on the internet. So you can look up, listen to people who've done it or those extreme sports that somebody might have, you know, decided to travel the globe alone or anything like that. And there's a whole lot of that. And some of your team members had and brought to your organisation experiences from before 
that can help you and they can bring that to the table. Two things that I noted down while you were talking is that in the example you used where we moved the organisation from the city to a regional area, that actually for some people involved two moves. So they moved from one part of the city CBD to another part of the city CBD before they moved to this suburban regional area. And so it was an extended period of resilience that they needed, an extended period of time where they were working out of moving boxes, out of their normal environment, out of the contact with yeah. people that they needed for the work that they were doing at that time. Also, I think overriding all of it is that when we talk about resilience, often our first reaction is that it must be a negative situation, that we need to be resilient because this is a negative situation. And a lot of the time that's true. But there are also times where it is a positive situation, as it was for these people going to Antarctica, where they needed to be resilient. And if we just look at that example, we look at Antarctica, we're talking about sending people to Antarctica when we were involved in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. No internet, no Zoom, mm. no mobile yes. phones. You know, yes. how resilient were they? And we and we managed teams. You know, there were they had management that was here back in Australia, in Tasmania, they had management down there. But yeah. they, as teams, had to work in an environment that was hostile, always mm. was, always will be hostile. And so they had a different kind of resilience because they had to have physical resilience as well as mental resilience and not just resilience. They didn't have to just exist. They had to do work. They were there to work, to do things, to produce results. If you go back even further, if you go back to Scott's first voyages to Antarctica when he was discovering the place, so they had a window, I think, of something like two or three weeks where they could get out. Otherwise, they were going to be there for another 12 to 18 months without food, without support, without any kind of communication at all. So we have inbuilt resilience and how we determine how much of it we're going to call on, I think, depends on how we look at a situation and what it means to us. So whether it's negative or whether it's positive. But I think we do need to talk about the positive side of resilience as much as we yeah. talk about the negative situations that might engender us thinking, well, oh, I have to be resilient. As you were saying that, I had an example that came to mind on the positive. Two examples. One, it's more in my client's uh, experience where business was booming and <laughs> they really needed extra. It was in the construction industry. Business was booming and they needed to, obviously, it's a great challenge to have, but it's not without challenge as you need the labor, the material and all of that. And how well that team came together to rise to the challenge, great for them, for their clients and for the business itself. So that's one example. Another example is when business was booming in corporate world and the operation area was inundated with work. It's a great thing, but these people had to figure out how they can do things faster, but accurately and within time frames and, and that sort of thing. And again, that was a huge positive because it was a time of excitement where the business is booming, which means you could recruit more, you could have better salary raises, you could have more bonuses, etc., etc. But you also became innovative. 
because you had to figure out how can I do that and I do it with less time or with what sort of mix of resources should I use. So again, this resilience facing the positive is a very good point. And I think too then what comes out of that is, is what do we mean by resilience and how do we measure it? Because in the, in, just in those examples, you're talking about a whole range of things. It's not just can we withstand it, which is, is what our automatic reaction might be about resilience is, is can I stand this challenge and can I move forward? But it's also about the communication that happens. It's about your supply chain. It's about your clients and your customers and, and how do they show resilience in putting up with the resilience that you have to have in, in certain situations. We need to broaden our understanding, I think, of what we're talking about when we say resilience and have a measure. Let us quantify what we're talking about. So it would be easy to say in this time of challenge, we need to be resilient. As organisations, we need to be resilient. But what does that really mean? Does it mean that we need to communicate more with, with one another. We need to check on people to make sure that they're doing okay. Do we need extra help? Do we need to look at our activities in, in a different way? All of that, all of those things that you said, including relying on each other. I think we sometimes get a bit, and we touched on that the other day, I think, but relying on each other is not a negative. It's a good thing. And I think sometimes we feel, well, I can't because I might look weak or I might look like I don't know. But absolutely wrong because what that means is we all got different strength for different things. And no one is like 10 out of 10 all the time. You might be 10 out of 10 for this situation and you might be minus 10 for another one. And therefore we need each other. And recognizing that and using that and be willing, if, if, if it's your time to give, you'll be willing to give and be recognized or even don't get recognized as long as you know you're given and using each other the right way. And I think that's what I call a team resilience is being able to put their personal pride and feelings aside for the team and helping each other. And it's having a structure. If we use the Antarctic example again, there was a very defined structure of support that provided resilience or, or the opportunity for resilience for everyone that was involved in those activities. Yes. So I think we've and probably covered the topic, yeah. have we? Yeah, I think it's good. Good. Now we have permission to stop talking. <laughs> So that's our take on leading remote teams in terms of teams' resilience, the negatives and the positives. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Pollyanna Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. <laughs>